Um, so we're we're back in this series. Let me just make sure I can share my screen. Um, <clears throat> we are in this series of people in prayer, and um, so I've I've absolutely loved this series. It's been it's been such a um, such a great one. Every every week has been something that's been so helpful. Um, for me, and uh, and I, that's what I've been hearing back from other people too. This this ability to kind of take a little glimpse into someone's life that's recorded in the scriptures, and, and we've been looking also at people in contemporary times, and it's been such a such a helpful thing um, to learn uh, what what people have learned and what their um, yeah what what they are um, what they can teach us in terms of prayer, and um, so we're looking particularly at this thing of you know how do we how do we pray well? And um, and I, I think I think many Christians, if pressed, um, myself included, would kind of feel like I wish my prayer life was better. I, I, you know, I wish I wish I could do this thing better than I am. Um, you know, and, and lots lots of us would feel like you know I just feel like my prayer life is it's it's maybe it's a little bit inadequate, and or maybe it's even at times non-existent. And, and I think many of us just carry um, angst and, and um, discouragement and maybe even some condemnation around our prayer life, which is kind of crazy in, in lots of ways. When you think that Jesus has given us um, this, this amazing ability, God the Father um, has, has sent the Holy Spirit, he sent Jesus, um, so that we could actually have that time with him. And, um, and he's given us mortals the special ability to communicate with him, um, uh, mortals speaking to the eternal. It's, it's an incredible thing. He's got a whole book uh, out on, on how we can talk to him and listen to him and, and have him speak back to us. And I guess it, it just, just to kind of frame where I'm going to go this morning, um, you know, there's, there's nowhere, um, in the, nowhere in the Bible that it talks about prayer as being something that um, we're measured on or we're given a, a pass grade or a fail grade. Um, possibly with the, with the only exception of a, of a little part in Matthew 6 where he says that we won't be heard through because of just the sheer volume of our words or, or by the meaningless repetition of, you know, saying something over and over and over again. And, and I guess right at the beginning of my talk today, you know, I'd, I'd love for all of us, myself included, just to lay down the kind of performance expectations of prayer where we, where we think we're comparing ourselves to others uh, and, um, and, just, and just try to relax in this thing that the God... The God who spoke this universe, this whole creation into existence, actually loves to listen to us and loves to speak with us. And, and I wonder also if, if maybe the second reason why we struggle with our prayer life is, is we just don't know if we're praying the kind of prayers that God wants us to pray. We don't know that we're, if we're praying, um, you know, we're not, if we're praying the, the kind of prayers that he answers. And um, so what we're going to look at today, I'm speaking about Paul um, and what we can learn from Paul and Paul's prayer life, the Apostle Paul, um, and what we can learn from him in, in, his, in his life. Um, and just, just, uh, just kind of a side note, if you've got the um, Easy Church app, I've actually put the whole, my whole kind of speaking notes in the notes part of the, of the Easy Church app. And in there, I've also included a PDF, and I'll upload, I'll upload sort of a, a shortened version maybe. Uh, later today, but I've included in that a PDF of, of Paul's timeline, because uh, he's, he's such a fascinating creature. We read a lot of him. A, a, a large part of the, um, apart from the Gospels in the New Testament, the, the majority of the New Testament is actually about Paul's life, 
and his letters and his and his teaching to the church. <clears throat> and so I, I thought I'd just give us a really kind of a, a, a nutshell um, view of, of his life. Um, Paul was, um, I, I think I've even got some pictures. Um, well, not actual pictures, of course, but <clears throat> uh, let me see here. Um, I'm not sure if he looks like that, but but you know, I don't think I don't think Paul was kind of particularly famous for his great looks and and his um, and his charisma. But he was such a powerful person, you know. And he often he often talks about um, how he was, you know, he, he was uh, not a not not naturally a, a really powerful looking person or or um, or a speaking person. Uh, he sort of said, you know, when I'm with you, I'm kind of unimpressive. But but when I'm away from you, you know, I really want you to listen to my words. So so this Paul that we uh, that we know and we love and and are so appreciative, you know, he was a, he was a, a he was a true Jew, um, educated to the degree that he could proudly stand with his fellow Pharisees, who were experts in everything to do with God at that time, and and also that they were a group who violently persecuted the early church. Um, and I often think if you want. You know, if we want to get a kind of a, a something of a view of what Paul would have been like, you know, and I don't mean this in any disrespectful way, but just rather to kind of give us give us insight into the kind of passion that this group would have had. You know, as you take a look at some of the Middle Eastern um, uh, extremists today, that was a kind of passion. It was it was a um, almost um, almost a crazy fanatical passion that they had for the truth. And so he was part of this party of the, of the Pharisees, and he was he was in high standing with the Pharisees. Um, he was born an Israelite in the year five uh, in Tarsus. Uh, his mum was, uh, we understand, his mum was uh, a Jewess, and his dad was a Roman citizen. And so he became he was a Roman citizen by birthright. Um, from the ages of ten to fifteen, at least, um, he was taught by Rabbi Gamaliel in the in their rabbinic school. So one of the one of the best, um, best universities of the time, I guess. Um, he was originally known as Saul of Tarsus, and we first meet him in the scriptures at, at the age of 27. Um, so a young man, a fanatical follower of, of, uh, of the law, and uh, we meet him at the stoning of Stephen in Acts 7. So he was a, a deeply committed extremist Pharisee, and he went on to become a chief persecutor of the church. He was passionate for what he believed was theological truth, and he was determined that he was going to stamp out this fledgling Jewish sect called the Way, um, and and that, that if he could get rid of the leaders, hunt them down, get them get them killed, uh, then maybe the remnant would come back to orthodoxy. And so he was, you know, what we know of him, we don't know a lot of that part, but we do know that for two years, his whole mission was to travel around the known world at that point in time and hunt down the leaders. Of, of what we now call Christianity, what was then called the way. Um, so he was converted, as we know, in, in, uh, on the road to Damascus while he was on the way to hunt down more of the leaders of, of early Christianity. And, and it would have been an incredible shock for this young persecutor of the church and this, and this, um, this Pharisee who, who, up to this point on the road, at, at, on the road to Damascus, n thought that Jesus was an absolute heretic. And then he has this first-hand encounter that the Jesus that he hated with a passion was, in fact, the Messiah that he'd been longing for. And, um, and we know that, you know, you can read the, the story there in Acts, but, but after receiving healing prayer from a Christian believer, uh, he heads off to Arabia for, we think, maybe about three years, um, and be, pretty much being taught the gospel 
um, out of the Old Testament and being taught it by the Holy Spirit. And then he goes back to meet the church leaders in Jerusalem and they realize that his safety, because um, he becomes a prime target um, for uh, execution. And so they, uh, they send him off to Tarsus. And uh, he pretty much grows in obscurity for the next nine years until Barnabas goes up and brings him down to the early church in Antioch. And his missionary journeys begin in, in the year 47 and continue on for the next 13 years until he's in house arrest in Rome, where he writes Philemon, Colossians, Ephesians, Philippians, First Timothy, and Titus. And we think he probably the, probably the first book that he wrote, or the first letter that he wrote, was to the church in Galatia, the book of Galatians in, in the year 51, and then quickly followed that by First and Second Thessalonians. And then he wrote First Corinthians in 54, and Second Second uh, Corinthians and Romans in 56. And, and then the next time we kind of uh, we catch up with him, we we uh, know that he's been arrested and, and uh, put into prison in this place, the Marmotine prison. Or tradition says that he was he was in the Marmotine prison, um, and um, and there he uh, he uh, he was um, imprisoned and um, executed in the year AD sixty six. And, and it's interesting that um, you know. Um, that when you look at the life of Paul, you know, he, he went from this, from a brutal persecutor of the church, someone that, that was prepared to kill for truth and to kill for orthodoxy. And he went, and, and, and some of his earlier writings, and this, this is not to, to negate them, but some of his early writings were, um, seem to be still being written very much from that perspective of power. And, and then you almost see this progression as, as he goes, um, you know, he, as he goes into, um, you know, he, he's weakened by his um, proclamation of the gospel and, and his missionary journeys. I mean, he's, he's stoned, he's left for dead at one point, he's shipwrecked several times. You read in, you read in um, Corinthians the, the number of brushes he had with death. I mean, he was, he was pretty wrecked by the time he was finally imprisoned by Nero and then executed. Um, and, and, it's, and it's interesting that he kind of moves, you, you kind of watch this progression of his life from, um, from being a... Uh, uh, you know, almost, almost, you know, be strong, be strong to by the end of his writings, it's like, you know, so I glory in my weaknesses. And, and it's probably pretty similar for many of us Christians. You know, we start out with this idea, I'm going to change the world. And, and, and then we get frustrated when it doesn't change like we hoped it would have or what, like what we expected it to be, or we kind of thought we were further along than we are. And, and, you know, and so we can, we, we, we can sort of almost do two things. We can lean into more, more force and more power and more legalism, or, or, we te or other people tend to just lean back and go, well, I, you know, I'm just going to become passive because this thing doesn't seem to work. Um, you know, or, or people even become cynical. And, you know, probably we know people that have done one or either of those, uh, possibly one or, one or both of those things. And, and then I think as we learn to trust the activity of God in us, and, and realize the gospel is not going to move forward because of us. It's going to move forward because of God. Um, we, we tend to lean more into a hope-filled trust in the love of God, that, that God's going to put the world to right. And, and so much of the scriptures are, are given to us to, to teach us how to pray. There's, prayer is a natural thing. You know, there's always this, you know, they kind of say that, that there's no, um, there's no uh, atheists in foxholes. You know, if, Everybody, when they're facing death, calls out to a, to a greater being. And there's so many stories about that. 
Um, it, but, but how do we pray the kind of prayers that God wants us to pray, the, the prayers that he loves to answer? And again, let me just go back to the, to the slides. Because there's a couple of things I think that might be really helpful for us to kind of think about. Um, in the early disciples, they, they said to Jesus in, in Luke 11, they, they said to Jesus, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray like um, John's disciples pray. And, and Jesus' response to them was to give them what's, what's commonly called the Lord's Prayer. And, and it's a prayer that, that I, I pray I, don't, I couldn't hand on heart say I pray it every day, but it's a prayer that I pray almost every day in some form or another. And, and I think the Lord's Prayer, so he, so he said to them, Jesus says to them, he says, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. And again, you, you know, you'll, you'll also be familiar with the version in, in uh, Matthew 6. Um, but in essence, I think what Jesus was saying is that, that, you know, there's not a huge amount of value necessarily in just simply repeating this prayer. But it was like a, it was like a template prayer. But he gave us this prayer, um, and, the, and there's certain kind of parts of it that, that it's really good for us to pause and, and to pray through. You know, that, that for many of us, our prayer life was like this. You know, we start by just centering it on God, by the goodness of God. Uh, and, and then we ask, let the kingdom of God come. Let the will of God be done in my, in my life, in my family's life, in, in, in my church's life. You know, let the, may the kingdom of God come. May the will of God be done in these areas, in, in our nation. Uh, and, then, and then he says, you know, and, then, and then start praying for your daily needs. What do I, what do I actually need to get through today? Uh, and, and then the next, the next sort of part of the template is, is receive and extend forgiveness to others. Receive forgiveness from God. Because if we, if, we, if we walk with condemnation, it's so toxic to our soul. Um, and so we receive forgiveness. And the moment we receive forgiveness, we, the, the immediate response is then to, give, to extend forgiveness to those who have hurt us and sinned against us. And then he says, and then, and then pray for help and protection from the enemy because we, we live in a war zone. You know, we live in a, in a time when, when um, you know, our faith is going to be tested and it's going to be tested to breaking point. And then we finish in prayer. Uh, and so, and so Jesus is, when, when, the, when, the, when the followers of Jesus said to him, teach us to pray, he, he just gave them like a template and said, you know, pray this way. Um, and, and then there's other sorts of prayers, which, which for want of a better word, um, is, is what I'd call exemplar prayers. You know, and I think Paul's prayers are often these exemplar prayers. They're prayers that we could pray. You know, if you're doing the Version Bible 2020 reading plan, you will come across a lot of these kind of, um, let me just come back out of there. Um, you will have come across a lot of these kind of prayers um, over, this, over this last week. They've been really beautiful. So he gives us prayers that we can practice praying so that we can ultimately, I think, create our own. So that they're not so much prayers that you kind of go, okay, this is like a template of how to pray. But, but they're prayers that we can, that we, as we pray them, it actually gives us language. Um, you know, and I know there's, there's uh, lots of Christian traditions and, and lots of Christians find, um, you know, find real, um, they find praying prayers written by others a deeply helpful practice. And, and, and then others, others of us, myself included, tend to, um, I want to learn how to, how to pray my own prayers. And so, you know, and so, and it's not a, it's not a binary, it's not an either or, but, but we, we tend to kind of lean one way or the other. And, and I think these prayers, 
um, these prayers that Paul gives us are wonderful ways for us to learn how to pray and to learn what kind of things are really important for us to pray about. And when we're praying for our friends or for our family, what would be a really helpful thing for us to pray? You know, we also know this, that Jesus prayed prayers like, you know, you know just really simple prayers like be healed, um, see, um, come forth. You know, they were great prayers. Um, but we're going to look more at some of, the, some of these kind of exemplar prayers so that we can learn uh, to build our, our prayer language, our, our praying language and our, our praying practice. My dear friend, um, John Wimber, he used to say that he's got, he had one prayer that he prayed over and over and over again. It was, oh God, oh God, oh God. You know, it was, that, it was just that, um, that longing of, oh God, I'm in trouble again. You know, oh God, I don't know what to do. Oh God, help me. This is a situation that's way too big for me. So anyway, what we're going to look at this morning, or, you, know, is, you know, complete our time together, is looking at four of these prayers that, that Paul prays. And, and if you've got a Bible with you or, or a Bible app and you're not using it to, um, you know, to, uh, to be part of Zoom, I, I'd love you just to open up um, these, these references. So, so first of all, we're going to go to Ephesians, um, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 17 to 19. I'll just see if I can bring it up on the screen. <clears throat> Okay, so Ephesians chapter 1, verses 17 through 19. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. And I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. I mean, that is such a beautiful prayer, isn't it? it it's, it's incredible. It, it, you know, sometimes we can kind of just get, get lost, I think, in the, in the midst of it. But what's he actually praying? This, this is a prayer that he was praying for these people in, in Ephesus. And this is pretty early on in his, in his missionary journeys. He, he's praying that they might know God better. The very heart of this message is that we might know God better. You know, I, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation, not, not just for itself, but, but that he may give us, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so you might know him better. And, and, and not only that, but I pray that the eyes of your heart, the, the internal, the inner you, may be enlightened that you might know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his people, and his, his incomparably great power for us who believe. You know, it's this, it's this, Paul's praying and he's praying for these people and, and they would have, you know, this wasn't a big church at this point in time. He would have seen those faces and as he's praying this prayer, he would have been, he would, those people's faces would have been coming before him as he prayed this prayer. I, you know, I pray that you might know God better, that, that he'd even give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation that you might know him better. And, and that you, you know, and knowing him better, that, that you'd know the hope that we've been called to, that, that the eyes of our heart, the very, the very understanding that's deep within us, that the core of who we are might be enlightened so that we'd know the hope, that we'd know his incomparably great power. Because we're part of, we have a shared and a common inheritance as new creation people. And what Paul was praying, when, you know, so when he prayed for the, for the church in Ephesus and when he prayed for his friends there, that was what he was praying. He was praying, oh, God, that they might know you better. And I don't know about you, but I, but I know for me, I want to know God better. You know, I, and I want people, when they pray for me, I'd love them to be praying this prayer. 
to, you know, if they don't, if, if you don't know how to pray for me, if I ever come to mind, uh, you know, for prayer, I'd love you to pray this prayer over my life as I do over your life. And then we move on and, and, and there's another prayer in Ephesians, in Ephesians chapter three. Uh, Ephesians chapter 3, verses 16 through 19. It says, I, I pray that out of his glorious riches, or have I moved us here? Yeah. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power in, his inner, in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. I mean, what a beautiful prayer to pray. And, and again, you know, as he was praying for his friends in Ephesus, and this, this fledgling church that's growing up in a difficult culture, a, a pagan culture, um, in a, you know, in, in a, a lawless culture, he was praying this prayer and he was you know basically what he's what's the heart of this prayer that he's praying he's praying that 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 you would have that christ would dwell in your hearts by faith you know and and this seems this seems a funny you know in, in one sense it seems a funny thing to pray because we know as believers that christ is already in our hearts but but i i wonder if he's if he's speaking into what um you know what dallas willard would would describe as as living as practical atheists you know that we that we trust God for for our eternal um, salvation. You know we 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 trust Him that when we die we're going to be with Him, but not so much in our day to day kind of real world stuff. You know we can live as if God's not really interested in the things of, of our actual life, of our of our work life, of our relationship life, of our finance life. Of, you know that He's not so much interested in you know that that where our country's going and what's going to be taking place. And I think what Paul's praying here, and I guess, you know, if it was a temptation for us to live that way, it was certainly a temptation for the for his friends in, in that ch early fledgling church that may have, you know, may have, may have just been 20 or 30 people that were part of that early church. And he was praying for them, praying that, that something would happen, you know, that, that they would see that Jesus is not just a God for the, you know, for the future, or you know, he's not just a God for when they die, but he's a God for right now. And so he prayed this prayer. He prayed that, that God, would you strengthen them with your power in their inner being to give them this deepening reality that, that they might be rooted and established in this, in this love so that we could be filled to the fullness of God. You know, it, it's a beautiful thing. You know, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he might strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith, so that he might be the center, that everything that we do, our relationships, our work, you know, the, the, things, the things that wake us up in the middle of the night and stress us, that, that Christ might be rooted, that he'd be right at the center of those things, that we'd be rooted and established in love and might have power. Um, and not, it's not just that we might have power, but it's that we'd have power to grasp or the ability to grasp how how big God's love is, how wide, how long, how deep, and how high is the love of God, and that this love would surpass knowledge, uh, that we might be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God, that, that, God that, the, that our picture of God in us would get bigger and bigger and bigger. 
you know, it's really interesting, and I know I've referenced this before, but, but you know, someone, someone much smarter than me has kind of said, you know, the thing that Jesus is going to ask us when we meet him in the next part of our life is not going to be, you know, what did you do for me? It's, he's just simply going to ask us, did you believe that I loved you? And it's, it seems like this thing of, of having the love of God in our lives is such a big thing for Paul. And it's such a thing, big thing that it should be such a big thing for us that, that we'd be that we would want to just be immersed in this deep sense of how how wide, how how deep, how high, how broad this this love is. That that we are absolutely passionately loved by this God. And and Paul's praying this. He's saying, you, you know, you don't you you just don't know his love enough. And so, and, and so again, you know, if you ever, if you ever get prompted to pray for me, I'd love you to pray this prayer. You know, this would be a beautiful prayer. Just pick up your scriptures and pick up the Bible or your Bible app and just pray Ephesians three sixteen through nineteen. I pray that out of His glorious riches He may strengthen Lloyd's with power through His Spirit in Lloyd's inner being, so that Christ may dwell in Lloyd's heart through faith. And I pray that. Lloyd, being rooted and established in love, might have power together with all the Lord's people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that Lloyd might be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. You know, I'd, 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 be, I'd be calling out amen to that prayer. Shall we, move, shall we move on to another one? Oh, I'm watching the time, but um, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of having fun, so I hope you are too. Uh, into Colossians. And and there's something really similar about so many of these prayers, these great apostolic prayers as they're known. And and this prayer in in, in, uh, in Philippians chapter 1, verses 9 to 11. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and the praise of God. You know, I mean, this is a prayer that Paul's praying for the, again, for the, for the fledgling church. You know, the, 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 the small group of people that, that are part of the early church in Philippi. And he's praying, you know, God, let them, let, give them discernment so that they know what's best. Because be, there's going to be all sorts of pressures on their life. There's going to be so many things pulling them in all sorts of directions. So give them, give them discernment so they'll be able to discern what's best and that they'd be pure and blameless in the, in the day of Christ. They would, they would have given, spent their lives around, you know, centered around this thing of what's best. You know, the, the gospel's amazing. It, it, you know, it, it says this so that, um, so that we may be filled with, so that you may be able to discern what's best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, the glory and praise of God. You know, one of, the, one of the incredible things about the gospel is this, that we're made holy at, at conversion, and then, and then we work hard at, at becoming pure and blameless, that, that he's given us this. And this is a prayer for every one of us. And again, I'd love this prayer prayed over me. And this is a prayer that I pray for, for each of you in the church, you know, that, that we would, um, that, that, his, that God's love would abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that we'll make the right choices. You know, so that when we're kind of at a crossroads, we'd know what's best. You know, so that as a result of a, of a long, you know, like, like um, Eugene Peterson, one of his, one of his lovely books, that the, the title of that book is A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. 
and it's like that's the heart of this prayer that that we would discern what's best there'd be this long obedience in the same direction that would result in us being pure and blameless for the day of christ oh my goodness it's it's isn't that so beautiful let me let me just quickly move to the to the last prayer whoops too far um i think did i have the wrong one up there the whole time anyway this is colossians chapter chapter 1 verses 9 through 12 so for this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. And we continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father who's qualified you to share in the inheritance of his people in the kingdom of light. <clears throat> you know, this, these prayers are just amazing, aren't they? Wouldn't you, wouldn't you just love to have them prayed over you every day? Wouldn't you, wouldn't you, um, wouldn't you love to pray these for the people that you love and, and, and just, you know, and just cherish? You know, the, this prayer, again, is, is, is in some ways just asking the same thing as this prayer in Philippians. You know, that we'd be filled, that each one of us would be filled with the knowledge of God, what God wants. So that we'll end up living a fruitful and a God-pleasing life. You know, it's such an incredible thing that we would live that kind of way. You know, I, I, the reason, like, I guess the reason that I, that I wanted to just pick these four prayers is they're just such simple prayers for us um, to, to enjoy. Um, and and you know, kind of trying to trying to bring it home now. But my hope is that that these prayers um, are prayers that that shape how we pray for each other. You know, oftentimes people say, you know, people will say, you know, would would you pray for me? You know, and and I think there's something better than just praying, dear God, please bless this person. You know, please bless them and and. Um, and help them in some way. I, I, I think this I think there's meant to be something deeper, something something um something more profound that he wants to give us. And I think what these prayers do is they give us a language. That that they begin to shape us, you know, and we start, you know, I I I think I think that it changes the kind of things that we start asking for people for. You know, that we start asking him for that Christ would dwell in their hearts by faith, that they would understand how big God is. That, that my friend would understand how much God loves them, that it's much bigger than what they think. You know, and, and I, so, so my heart is this, that, that these would be things that, that would shape our prayer life, that, that we wouldn't just pray the same prayers that we've always, always prayed, but we'd pray the depth of these prayers, that, that, that these prayers are like, as I said, they're like exemplar prayers, that we pray over our friends, and they're the kind of prayers that God loves to answer, that he runs to answer. And so my, um, my uh, you know, f finishing up now, but, but I, guess, I guess my homework would be this. What a wonderful thing it would be for us, you know, as, as fellow believers and, as, and, you know, as members of his church. You know, that why don't we practice this week praying one of these prayers each day? For the people that we, you know, the people in our life, the people that we are, the people that we know and love, and that we're connected to, you know, just just practice praying some of these prayers over one another. You know, don't don't try and you know don't don't, don't try and kind of make up your own prayer, but just simply pray these prayers, and, and maybe pray one prayer over you know every day this week. Pray pray one of those prayers 
um, over different people as the, as the course of the week goes on. Or, or maybe option number two would be just to cycle through each of those four prayers. But let them form the basis of our prayer life.